Hey. All right, everybody, ready to go? You got anything you, um, the assignment I was given was to start at 108. Is that about where you left off? 108 to 130 was the reading I was given. So you got anything you're desperate to start with, or you want me to start? All right, I will start. 113. When I read this, as, I, as so often, you know, one of the things I've been struck with, the people that we've read with um, Mudhouse Sabbath and then also with Nowen and now Peterson. Um, and thanks to friends who have, uh, Carla in particular, who's recommended books. And, uh, you know, we sort of say what would be the next, next thing. I, this is the third time in a row now that I've had this great sense of sort of coming home to a book. Uh, you know, you sort of say, uh, I don't know about if you've had this experience, but I feel I read this <clears throat> over the course of the day yesterday in little chunks. As I have often with these books, it's too much to absorb more than a couple of pages at a time. I remember I, during the Nowen book, I was exhausted by the end of, of chapters. And so I have much the same experience with Peterson. Every line, you know, you say to yourself, and there's just this sense of coming home. It's, it's this is exactly right. And, you know... Um, and somebody else is saying it too, and it's all going to be okay. And I, I guess I want to direct you to the first thing, 113 below the three stars, okay? Um, not the first paragraph, the second paragraph. You got it there, 113, the three stars? <clears throat> Moses came down from Mount Sinai, something over 3,000 years ago, with the stone tablets of God's commands in his arms, and the word of God on his lips. He'd just been instructed by God in how to train and lead the Hebrews into a life of, and now get this, mature, obedient, and holy freedom. Which I would just suggest to you are four words that we do not put together. Okay? Those four words don't normally fit together. You would not normally say, and I'm just talking about when you talk to people, Freedom, particularly, does not fit together with obedience. And in our general usage, freedom does not fit together normally with holiness. And frankly, freedom is, doesn't always conjure an image of maturity. And yet what the Lord is doing is trying to draw all of us into mature, obedient, and holy freedom, which for you and for me, then, is the best possible life. And so already in these ten, and he does translate it commandments, but I, I still, you know, I rebel against that somewhat because the word, even commandment, that word again for us evokes oppression or loss as opposed to freedom and gain. You know, they're not, I just remind you, the ten commandments are not ten commandments in the scriptures. They're called the ten words they're not commandments has this sense to us and 10 words is the way your father speaks to you and loves you or your mother gives you just the right thing to think about the best advice at the right time that's what words are are like and you remember that the word it's very closely connected in hebrew with the word for spirit these these words that are that are that are spirited out so and you remember that they're in the indicative which if you remember your english is just normal description of life. I'm just telling you what life is about. They're not in the imperative. They don't have an exclamation point. So they're not commandments where God says... That's law when really they're gospel. Yes. 
Now, you're very sophisticated in saying that, and now I even want to push you back to a previous step of it's just the revelation of God himself. Because I, and now you're exactly right, and I just want you to be at point number two, which is <clears throat> here's God, and then he reveals himself in many ways, but just for now, one of the ways he reveals himself is in words or in the word. It's not an accident that the Lord Jesus Christ is called the word and that he is the speaking voice in creation. Remember, we're going to hear this, John 1, coming up in Christmas. The word was with God and was God, and all that was created was created through him. So he words the universe into existence. And that revelation then, so now let's take particularly um, these ten words, and his intent, and this is extraordinarily important, his intent is to love you. His intent is to care for you. His intent is to have you back. His intent is for you to have the best. His intent for you is to be free. His intent for you is to be obedient so you can be free, so you don't ruin yourself. His intent for you is to be mature so that you don't destroy yourself, right? And so the ten words, here's the thing, if you run against them, then they are definitely the law. I'm just about to write this morning um, an email. I've been pondering it for two weeks to be sent to the leaders of the congregation, the ministry council, and the staff here and teachers uh, with the turn of the church here to remind them uh, to be in church on Sunday morning. Most of them are extraordinarily good at that, but there are some um, who are a bit sporadic. And one can almost not conceive of sporadic church attendance given what's written in this chapter. So there are going to be some people I know already, I just have to decide what time I want to send it because I, I have to decide how much of my weekend I want interrupted. <laughs> Later in the day I send it, the more time I'll have to myself. So a bit of selfishness there, I suppose. <coughs> well, I want to try to, I want to, I, I want to presume, I want to presume the, 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 the good news of the new year. Fresh start on Sunday. New church year. God loves us. Here we go. Um, but if, if you hear this, if you hear all that Peterson's written as, you know, well, then you're going to say that, that's the law. But in reality, it is meant as the gospel because it's meant for your good. It's meant for your salvation. It's God's default to love you. There is not a scintilla of wrath in God. It does not belong to his nature. Law and wrath do not belong to his nature, at least in the very narrow sense I'm talking about it here. He doesn't, it doesn't belong to his nature to want to destroy you. Everything about God wants to save you, bless you, love you, draw you into this great thing. And so I am, I am and, and then people will immediately say to me um, about the Sabbath, well, um, somebody, you know, somebody will say, well, you know, you don't keep the kosher laws and you don't, you know, celebrate the Passover and you don't worry about if a gecko lands on your pillow and you don't marry your brother's wife if you know he dies yeah that's right because all of those things were fulfilled in Christ and have their ultimate end in him but the ten words are the revelation of God himself they are of a different character and type than all the other Old Testament laws 
Because, I, as I've said to you before, it's as if God looks in the mirror. When the God looks in the mirror, and, I, and he did a great job of this, when God looks in the mirror, what God sees is Sabbath. Because that is who God is. He worked six days and then he rested. And if you don't have this balance of work and rest, you lose the notion of rejoicing in Christ who gives you both work and rest and who orders your life in a way that, frankly, is best for you. So just... I, so it always perplexes me then um, why everybody's not in church every Sunday. I mean, I, I know the reasons why, and I'm sure there are reasons I don't know. But the great conviction of this chapter, these pages, was that this is the best possible life. There is no place else, and there is nothing else going on. This is it. When Christ baptizes, when he absolves, when he puts his body and blood into you, when he forgives, when he unites you as a community, when he teaches you to be thankful, when he stretches you beyond what you think you can bear, when he puts you in service to somebody else, when he gets you to think about others rather than yourself, when he teaches you what it is to love and to hope and to live, there is no place better. And that's what happens on the Sabbath. The one thing that he didn't say, which I'll say, but I don't want to press the point too hardly, because I think, I think he was brilliant, was always remember the difference between Christianity and every other religion is that in every other religion, human beings serve God on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the day set aside so you can please the gods. And in Christianity, and, you know, in Judaism, but in Christianity... The Sabbath is the day when God comes to please you. God works and you rest. It is the strangest, most upside-down thing that you could never figure out on your own. Our natural thing is, if there's a God, we better make him happy. And here, there is a God, and he's here to make you happy. It's completely upside-down. You just sit there and receive the gifts. He'll baptize your kids. He'll take away your sins. He'll put his body and blood into you. He'll knit you together as one body. He'll give you words to say. He'll help you when you struggle. He'll give you purpose and meaning in your life. And he'll send you back out into a world that's very much against you, but you go with the protection of the sign of the cross. We read in um, Elders this week all that it meant for the sign of the cross um, when in the early church. In fact, there was this brilliant, uh, brilliant story from uh, St. Anthony uh, and then and then one about a deacon uh, where they said there was a town where in the evenings nobody went to the baths because in the baths uh, there was a demon and, and nobody who went in ever came out again. This deacon comes to town and um, he he says, it's after sunset, he says, I, where's the baths? They said, well, you wouldn't want to go in there. And, and he sort of says, you know, it'll all be fine. And the, as people stood outside, they said, they could see the demons flare up. They could hear them hiss in his ears. They could hear him surround him. And he said, he made the sign of the cross, went through the first room, went into the baths, made the sign of the cross. He was fine. Came up, made the sign of the cross, and uh, walked out. And everybody was stunned because the Lord had owned him. And demons may not touch what the Lord owns. And to live with that sort of confidence every day on the Sabbath and to move through life in that way it is to be blessed. So it becomes extraordinarily difficult for me to understand why people don't come to church. In one sense, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, I understand, of course. But So I wonder if you had the same sort of joy in this. 
Did you feel oppressed by this, or was it okay? Yes, please. Yes, please. Right. And Russell and I struggle with watching her make bad decisions. It, it really, sometimes it's weird how it's such a coincidence. I'll be thinking about something and it's happening in my life. You know, you love your child so much. And when you give them, when you tell them what to do, like you were just talking about with the words, you're not telling it to be mean or you have to be home by this time, you know, because I say so. It's like we were created in his image really start to see, you know, we're, I only want the best for her. I love her. I want the best for her. I, you know, so when I read through this, it's like, he feels the same way, but he's perfect in it. Exactly. So uh, that, is the, that is one of the aspects of the image of God put into you at creation. As the Father cares, the Heavenly Father cares for you, so you then as a parent care for your child. You were going to say... Yes, right, right, yes. Right. That is society we want to hold together and function. We got to agree. Most people have to agree on some rules. Right. Uh, a lot of this happened less than a hundred years and I came back and still here. Is our whole, is our country, our, our Leave it there a little bit longer if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Now that's. Oh, sorry. Well. Yes, right. That's right. I wonder, though, if I can even push you. You're right, but I wonder if I can push you past doable to, um, to the place where we sort of welcome them. You know that. Um, the Ten Commandments are completely fulfilled in Christ, as is the Lord's Prayer. When you pray the Lord's Prayer tonight, each petition refers to Christ. He brings the kingdom. He is forgiveness. He is the daily bread of the Eucharist. That's for another day. But the Ten Commandments are all fulfilled in Christ. And so then, they're given to you fulfilled as a gift. And then he says to you, um, wouldn't you love to be in? So, so I would. They are, in fact, simple, although difficult. Um, and they are, in fact, doable. I, I completely agree with you. And they do have spectacular results. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but before all that, I'd, I'd want to say, I wonder if we could come to the point where we begin to welcome them as our own. If you could understand the Ten Commandments as a kindness, and not in this sense, don't you know that God is trying to do you a kindness? The way you talk to your children, the way they... Oh, it probably doesn't happen in your family, you know. But... Uh, Yes, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> really? Yeah, sassy little hula kids. We should pray for them again. I know. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for that, so much for that, right? Yes, exactly. But I wonder if you're, I wonder if you're Sabbath. Were you going to say something else, Kirby, or no? Okay. About this? Yes, please.
Yes. Yeah, and, and why is that? Let's push that one more step, because I know you can. Yes. <coughs> that's right. That's the positive side. So the negative side and the positive side. She said, <laughs> well, Gigi should say it. Go ahead. Say it again. The creation is, uh, uh, hear this in the right way, yeah, the, the Ten Commandments are God. The Ten Words are God. I mean, this is, this is what's different about the gecko landing on your pillow and now you have to go outside the camp for seven days. The Ten Commandments are God. This is the character of God revealed. This is the imprint on creation, right? We're in this wide country where you play. This is the country of the Trinity. This is his imprint on creation. If you run against this, you run against the cosmos. You run against the whole universe, you see? And if you'll have it, it's your great gift. Go ahead. Right. And if you're, I don't know, if you're talking about the things, this is the way God treats us because he wants to serve us. And so all these things are, the, the serve your neighbor part is the thing that God does already for us. Right. So to mimic Jesus. That's right. That's very well said. And the first bit holds too because um, <clears throat> the divine trinity might best be described as love, yes? This perfect love of the Father for the Son, the Son for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit for both, right? And so you mimic, it's exactly right, you mimic in community what the Lord does, and then he tells you exactly what that looks like. And it's ultimately fulfilled in Christ. The ultimate service to you is Christ. Yes, please. Yeah. See, the, the problem... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. Here, at home, I'm happy to interrupt you, but here I have to... <laughs> got to behave, Tammy, when I'm here. It's kind of simple, actually. It's like if you step outside the commandment, and we will because we're sinners, but um, you're, you're outside of the Trinity, Trinity Well, we always have this sneaking suspicion that these people who are, have stayed home on Sunday are having more fun than we are. And that's the lie that we tell to ourselves. Well, you may not think so, but 70% of people in America do, in fact, stay home on Sunday, right? 95% of people in Britain stay home on Sunday. And we sometimes believe, when we're here upstairs, think that these people somehow have a leg up, don't you? Otherwise, why would you stay home? I mean, your actions betray you, my friends. Not this particular group. I mean, this is preaching to the choir a bit. But every Sunday in church right here, I mean, a few, Jesus gives very few exceptions for why, you, you're, um, why, why you're, you're not here on the Sabbath. And it normally has to do with love for other people or preserving life. It's like you stumble onto an accident on the way to church and you should stop and help because otherwise you don't really understand what church is about. But short of that, you know. But see, this is exactly the problem. So here it is. 
Now, the question is, can you see this boundary as joy or sorrow? It's, it's just as simple as that. Because if this is really God, then the real question is, do you see God as joy or sorrow? Just your little toe. Well, Sorry, pastor shouldn't probe for confession. It's a sin. Exactly. Yes, this is the refusal to let him do anything. I'm on my own now. I'm in, a, I'm in another land. Why is the scapegoat sent out into the wilderness? This is the wilderness where the demons play and all the sins belong, right? And you're right. So in here, it's the same word, the Sabbath, okay? If you're inside it, you say, thank you very much, and it's pure gospel to you. If you're outside it, you say, I don't have any need of that. And then you break the very first commandment, which is really the only commandment. The only commandment there really is is he's God and you're not. That's really the only commandment. Every other commandment just falls out of that. Every commandment breaks the first commandment, right? So if you're out here saying, this is great, what you're saying is God doesn't really know what he's talking about. And then that's a great sadness. It's just like your children say to you, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, the analogy is not perfect because you're not perfect, but frankly, with regard to your children, you often do know what you're talking about, even though we never believed that when we were younger. Although your children believe it. You're different, yes. Know. It is. It is sometimes easy. You know, those are things. No, I think. I think. You know, I think your observation is really helpful in this way. That at least in this way that we can't ever the possible the possible ways that things can go wrong are endless. Right. Our ability to 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 break, mangle, you know, cleverly deceive. I mean, it just is, is forever. So you never quite know in advance. Um, but on the other hand, if, if, we can, if what happens upstairs is so compelling, um, you know, there's a way that we all need to be loved. And if we can understand that Jesus loves us in just that way, um, there's no reason really to miss it. Yes, please. Yeah, right. <clears throat> well, let Marcus have the car on Sunday. That would be a start. <clears throat> but just, just. <laughs> um, fair enough. Go ahead.
Well, I think you might, maybe you might chase it the other way around. Is you could say what you said, which is always one possibility. And, but I think, I think what you can say is, um, this is why I've always pleaded with you um, to speak well of each other and the people who are here and the people who are on staff and about other people's children and about what goes on and what the possibilities are even when you personally may not agree. I really think this is the answer. Because, you know, we know that we're not perfect, and frankly, we know that you're not perfect, and nobody else in the room is. But most people compared to you are just utterly shattered. And so if you say to people, rather than say, it's very sad when you're not there, if instead you say, this is the center of my life, and it's extraordinarily joyous, it's what holds my life together, it's what makes me love my husband, it's, what, it's, it's why my children are who, who they are, and it, it's why, in even the most difficult things, I, I'm still a hopeful person. That's the sort of thing that people will walk through fire to have, because that it does not exist outside the Sabbath. That doesn't exist out here. You know, people can fool themselves, they can medicate themselves, um, they can deceive themselves, they can empower themselves and destroy other people. But none of that gives what this is. So I think this is, this is if you can just, if I, I'll just reduce it to this. It's the difference between being a happy church. I'll just give you, an, in, a, in my own example, there's some people who came two weeks ago for the first time, and they said, um, they, we stopped and talked to them. We were goofing off, and uh, I don't know the pastors. They stayed after, and they had a couple of kids, and we talked to them for a while. And then they said, you know, we've been in this church once before. But it was nothing like this. And I said, when was it? It was 10 years ago. And I'm like, ooh, geez, I was here. So then, uh, <coughs> but they said, I mean, this is, they, this is what they said. I mean, this is what they said. They said, we came. Nobody talked to us. Everybody was, seemed crabby. Nobody made us feel welcome. And we never came back. And now they've been here about four weeks in a row. And they said, you know, the difference is you actually talked to us. And not just us. They said some other people were kind to us. And this seems like a very happy place. I mean, that's the point. If you're always kvetching, you know, people who come to church and convetch, how does that fit with being inside the Sabbath? How does that fit with being forgiven? How does that fit with joy and love as what God wants to express to people? How does that fit together? It doesn't fit together at all. So in some ways, that's why we can't tolerate that in the church. We can't tolerate... Um, I was someplace the other night, and somebody was asking me to do a favor for them, and then... Um, they were sort of naming people that I ought to know. And I, you know, I couldn't believe this, this, the stuff that happens, you know. And then I said, uh, well, this guy's a member of your church. He said, but, you know, he doesn't agree with the move to the Bible church, and you should probably know. And I just was like, I'm like, you don't even know me. The one thing you know about me is this guy and that he doesn't agree to the move to the Bible. That's the only thing you know about St. John. So I began to think to myself, that's the one thing. Why would this person ever come to our church? Because the one thing they know is a negative thing, which is somebody didn't get their way. It's just, it was fascinating to me, which is why 
the emphasis is always on the gift of the Sabbath, the joy of Christ, what he gives, the default is love. Here we go. It doesn't mean, see, the thing is, is norm, that doesn't mean we're standardless. And that's normally how people interpret freedom, as being standardless. I mean, the way the ten words talk about it is obedient, mature, faithful freedom, right? It's not standardless. It's, it couldn't be more sharp. The distinction between who is in and out, listen how Jesus talks. I'm the light of the world, this is darkness. I'm the way, this is loss, right? I'm the truth, this is lies. Couldn't be more stark, but you have to deliver it in a way that people can receive it as a great thing. And then people carry it out. The second half of the chapter was you carry it out into your workplace, and that's how you live your life. So I mean, just, just, uh, this is mind your own tongues, mind your own hands. I mean, if you want people to come to Jesus, give them some Jesus. Don't give them something else. Yes, please. Yeah, what a Jesus we've got going. Instead of it saddens me that you don't worship this man. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm really happy and I'd love for this to have you too. It's like giving somebody a big gift. I mean, the word for, for gift is the word for grace, is the word chorus, is the word of God opening himself up to you, right? They're all from the same, you know, it's all the same. Gift, grace, and Eucharist, Thanksgiving are all the same package, right? The gift is given, the gift's received, the gift is rejoiced in. It's the same Greek root for all of those words. See, the thing is, this is why you just have to be so careful how you talk about other people, how you talk about yourself, how you talk about your family, how you talk about Christ, how you talk about... I mean, this is... We know. I mean, I'll just take the other side for a second. We know that all hell is often breaking loose inside these boundaries, right? I mean, inside your own life. We know that. But we know that this is where all hell gets taken care of. The gates of hell will not prevail against my name. Jesus. It's not like Jesus had a free pass. It was a mess most of the time. And he ends up dead. And nevertheless, in his deadness, that's the greatest possible joy, you see. And you're supposed to come and rest in that deadness and in the resurrection every Sunday. That's why every Sunday is a resurrection. You know, we don't, that's why in Lent there's 46 days, for example. If you count the calendar, it's 46 days. But it's really only 40. Why? Because in the church, you never count Sunday because every church is a resurrection, right? If you count from Ash Wednesday all the way through to Lent, you know, it's, 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 it's too many days. It's not 40 days, except you don't count the Sundays. Donna, you were going to say. Right. Yes. Yes. <coughs> right. Yeah, if you can begin to see the Sabbath, <coughs> and this would count for every other, every, other, every other one of the ten words, but if you can begin to see those as to your advantage rather than your disadvantage, as being divine rather than human, life looks completely different. Yeah? This is why the, I, I see Anne sitting here, and I always, 
I'm always horribly puzzled by parents who, about in the eighth grade, right after confirmation, say to me, I mean, they just say explicit to me, well, they're confirmed now. It's up to them if they want to come to church or not. Man, I always just go, I mean, I feel like, you know, my brain is going to drain out of my ears when people say that to me. I just, I can't even, you don't let them drive the car. You don't let them drink. They can't vote. They don't do your taxes or make decisions about your investments. But the biggest thing in their life, the Sabbath, well, it's really up to them now because, you know, they're 14. (laughs) And they got it all figured out. out. What could you possibly know? And, I, you know, she struggles with this. Her department struggles with this all the time with parents who are just that stupid, if I may say so, <laughs> on tape for the Internet. <laughs> so it, is, it is. Well, you've had the same thing. I mean, you've been – you just say, well, so how do, you, how do you do this? You begin to show people in your own life. This is why, you know, Gainey had a uh, question at the Joy Group about fasting. You know, he's sort of saying – and he, he actually told me when he goes – when he went down, he said – I'm not going to stop here because I, I just don't feel like talking about it today. I don't want any trouble about it. And then, but he said two sentences about it. And then somebody immediately gave the exact Lutheran answer, which was, isn't fasting, couldn't fasting become works righteousness? And you think to yourself, and he gave the right answer, anything can become works righteousness. But because anything can go bad, name something. Name anything. Everything can go bad. Your husband, your wife, food. Sex, drink, your work, money, your kids, going to church. Name something that can't go bad. Everything can go bad, which doesn't mean you don't do it. It means that, yeah, it can go bad. So what? We live in a ruined, we live in a ruined world. Everything can go bad. So you don't eliminate things because they can go bad. You say, I'm going to do this and then not let it go bad. And Jesus himself said, sometimes only prayer and fasting. What are you going to do with that? I mean, that's what he says. So, yes, please. Yes, they are wonderful, by the way. Just, that's right. We have a four-year-old who's had very difficult times in the pastoral school. And boundaries that come along with this. And we've been kind of talking about it, teaching realities and all that. But I know you and I were teaching passage together as well as he was. But anyway, after school, we come home way alone. I don't like the rules. And kids don't like the rules. As Jesus would say, later. Yeah. Later. You can have them later, after you're dead. Oh, exactly. But see, the thing is, here's, and can I just observe something in, in just in your comment, okay? There's a very different way in this, I mean, this is the joy of a group that sort of gets together for a while and you start to know each other. But it's, it's a very different thing for you to be able to sort of tell us that, and then we can sort of laugh about that, and we can say, that's us. And, and frankly, when you say, and that's all of us when you talk about it being grown up, do you see then that we still are living within this, within the proper? I just want to observe. I'm not sure that everybody sees this, or at least I want to rejoice if everybody does see this. Do you see that this is the proper 
long gospel application. Basically, what you're saying is, I've got to get a great grandkid who needs a little bit of law to shape him up, but he lives within the gospel and life is joy. Even the way you told the story, okay, there's, just, there's just sort of great joy in that, as opposed to um, there's ways that we can tell stories about ourselves that we can recognize our own sins that are really hopeless, desperate, judgmental, all the things Carol was kind of talking about before, finger wagon. I mean, I don't know, in, in the story you told, there was, there was sort of this, it was a great sort of pastoral, spiritual care of kind of law and gospel, just enough law to recognize what's going wrong and just enough gospel to say that's who we are and it's all going to be okay. And do you see how that leaves all of you? Do you, see, do you notice that? That leaves you, the preponderance of the gospel, leaves you with a hopefulness, right? The sort of I can sort of carry on and I'm not in this all by myself and it happens to other people and yet Christ doesn't advance. You get that? That's, what it, that's what's supposed to happen in a community as opposed to everybody sort of wagging their finger at everybody else saying, well, you know, you're not as good as me and I did my share. You didn't do your part and here we go. And, and aren't they bad? And the first thing you should know is, and you know, you, you know the million ways it can go wrong, right? So, I mean, that's a very helpful way to talk about. You, you see how you avoid the perfectionism of I keep the law perfectly and yet you stay within the boundaries, uh, you know, this broad country of the Trinity. It's very nice. It is the beauty of being Lutheran. It is, it is you know, one of the things that Lutheranism has going for it like over against sort of the larger church. You know, there's a couple, and that, that would be one of them, you know. How you doing, okay? Go to the bottom of 112. We can read something else if you want. I mean, if you say there's just something we've got to read, you know, go ahead. I did particularly like the stuff about wonder, too. I mean, I just, you, any of you... Well, yeah, you creative types. I got to think the wonder part has to be all about, and the work part was fascinating too. I mean, you just got it. Didn't you, did you love the wonder part? I would think. Okay, good. When you get there, rejoice. I mean, because it is just. Well, that's all right. We we only you know there's no like you know we're we're not trying to graduate or anything, so we can just go <clears throat> at the pace at which we go, right? All right. So look at the bottom of one twelve. <clears throat> this is just this is just great. Well, let me just read the previous. First sentences, but then I'm going to go to the bottom. So up at the top where it says worship. So how do we get this creation and Sabbath-keeping rhythm into our lives so that we can work congruently with God at work, live more or less in step with God in his creation? Do you remember long ago, far away, I said, what's faith? Faith agrees with God. Faith is just agreeing with God. All he's saying is what you want is everything you say, everything you do, to agree with God. You want your work to be congruent with God's work, you see? Faith just agrees. This is, this is the great thing about Lutheran, Lutheranism, having simple definitions. What is faith? God says, would you? And you say, yes. God does, and you say, thank you. God says, this is best, and you say, I'm so happy that you told me. Thanks for not leaving me on my own. And then maturity is trying to, in everything you do, how you speak to each other, how you come to church, how you treat your next-door neighbor, how you raise your kids, how you manage your finances, how you go forward in your job, how you, what you do in your off hours. You try to make all of those things congruent, agreeable, or agreeing with God, you see. So how do we do that, okay? Um, and then two paragraphs down. This ancient wisdom, well, look at, look at the second last. We keep Sabbath best when we enter a place of worship gather with the congregation, and sing and pray and listen to God. Get with your friends. Don't do it alone. 
You know, don't say you can do it on the golf course. Don't say you can watch it at home on TV. You know, you gather with other people. Why? Because a community, in a community, you have all your good things and, frankly, all your ills all wrapped together. Okay, I mean, this, I've talked with the other pastors about this. You know, part of the, you know, part, we have sort of a code word for when we're struggling with people. See them through the host. And there is a point, I, mean, I, I think I said this in Sunday Bible study, maybe not here, that at the, I used to look at you, and I don't look at you anymore at the elevation of the host. I only see the host, the peace of the Lord be with you, and I imagine you on the far side of the host. But I can't see you, but I know you're there. And, what I, and you should see me in the same way. You should look back at me through the host. I see you through the host. It's the only possible way to see you. Because if Jesus loves you, then my agreement with you is that I will love you too. Even though, frankly, some of you I hate. And I need to be forgiven of that. And I need to agree with Jesus. Jesus loves you, so I love you. You know, Jesus cares for you, so I care for you. Which is not then about me. It's about how, what Jesus does. So how do you get drawn into that, you see? Um, bottom of the page. <clears throat> Creation rhythms get inside us through the act of worship in place and time. Worship is the primary means. And now, I would just, for this whole paragraph, I, I notice it now when I read it, and I had the same reaction when I read it the first time. To be a good Lutheran, I would just make all the verbs passive. Okay, So I'm going to pacify the verbs as we go through here. It would just feel better to me, and I just want to be happy. So, um, <clears throat> worship is the primary means by which we are immersed in the rhythms and stories of God's work. Get a feel for his proper work, his creation work. When we are gathered, it must not be helter-skelter improvisation. Uh, It's best when it's congruent with the way God works. So God works in particular ways. Again, this is such a Lutheran thing. He works through word and sacrament. This is what he does. And that begins with Sabbath-keeping or Sabbath having, or Sabbath gifting. The resting, the blessing, and the hallowing, without which the creation week is not complete. If you are not in church, you are incomplete. And if you stay away from church long enough, you are broken, you are shattered. Okay? Your life falls apart. The gift is what holds, it's the glue that holds you together, holds your family together, holds your community together, holds your life together, forever and ever, amen. Without that, you go to ashes. Okay? God, that's why, see, and this is just now, I'm going to step up in my soapbox for a second. This is why we're so meticulous about what happens upstairs. Because, you know, the, the pulpit is not a place where you experiment. And the liturgy is not the place where you do the latest, best thing that you hope might work. And we're not there to entertain you, so we're not putting the 52-inch flat screen next to the pulpit. You know, we're not. Because over 2,000 or 4,000 years, the church knows what works. The church knows what works. Ritual, reverence, joy, expression, smells, colors, movement, stand up, sit down, splash in water, have some fun, process in, process out. Draw people's attention to what's important. For example, a corpus on a cross or the host at the chalice. And let that be primary. Don't constantly be explaining. The worst thing that you can do is go to a church. Now we're going to stand up for the reading of the gospel. Now we're going to sit down. 
Now we'd like everybody to turn to. Now we're going to say some prayers. And then the pastor freelances a little bit, you know. My father's funeral, one of the best and worst experiences of my lives. Worst because I couldn't get the pastor not to freelance. He could not show the obedience, even at the request of the family, to follow the liturgy. It had to be about him, even though I went to him and begged him that he just do the liturgy from the book. You know, so was it about my comfort or was it about his ego? It was about his ego. It wasn't about my comfort because he couldn't give me what I needed most, which was God talking, not him talking. That's why we're so meticulous about what happens. Not because we're rigid, not because we're not inflexible. I can name more West Coast rappers than any of you, except for the eighth graders. We separated eight West Coast rappers and East Coast rappers led confirmation this week because kids have to know their stuff, you know. We don't want to send them out of here so they don't know. I say Biggie, you say Smalls. Yeah, exactly. West Side. Yeah, that's to give. That's why, you know, this great uh, Nelson's way of going after the kids where he, he sort of shows them a movie and then he says to them, what happened? You know, and they're like, they have to figure out from, you know, the great flood scene and Brother, Where Art Thou? that that's really all about baptism. Or when they see the mission and the guy walks into battle holding up the host. Why would that happen? Or when the guy walks into the baths and makes a sign of the cross and he comes out shiny and clean when everybody else who's gone in before him has died or come out demon-possessed, what sort of image that has for people. I mean, that's the sort of thing where people say, or when people die a good death, or where people talk kindly about each other, or when your kids obey, or when they're happy to come to church or be in a procession, or pick something, right? That's the reason people come to church. That's how they get in the rhythm of the Sabbath. Okay? So when we go to work, go ahead. Is it, is it straight up 11.15? 10.15. Uh, All right. 1.13. We'll just come back someday and talk about something else. Why don't we um, particularly read to 1.30. Let's talk about wonder a little bit next week if you're up for that. Are we up next week? We are, I think. Yes.